You're listening to the Home Staging Show podcast. I'm your host, Nilin. This is a show where we talk about all things real estate, home staging, and how to create a vibrant and thriving home staging business. Welcome back to the show. This is episode 154. Hey guys, as you know, 17 Hats was our main sponsor at SagerCon 2021. We recommend 17 Hats because it was a critical part of our home staging business and free us up from lots of paperwork, admin, and chasing clients with emails so that we can focus on what we love to do, which is staging. If you're like us, you probably didn't go into the business for the paperwork. You know, all those invoices, emails, reminders, to-dos, and just the incessant chasing after client for paperwork. So that's where 17 Hats comes in for us. It's like you cloned yourself. Their all-in-one platform automates your staging business. 17 Hats handles the tedious stuff like payment reminders, capturing leads, proposal, invoicing, and even scheduling. We actually created a resource guide for you on our site. Just go to stagerumor.com slash 17 Hats and find out more about how we use 17 Hats in our home staging business. If you're a current 17 Hats user, we would love to hear about your story too. You can submit your 17 Hats story on our site at stagemore.com slash 17 Hats. Hi guys, welcome back to that episode of The Home Staging Show. So today I have Lisa Baker on the show. She was one of the winners from last year's International Home Staging Awards in the Best Vacation Rental category. So if you're interested in submitting this year, we've got seven categories for you and the early bird submission for that is already live. And you can take advantage of it until the end of day on May 14th, 2022. If you're interested in that, just go to stageawards.com and you'll find out all the information in regards to submission. When it comes to competition like this, I really recommend you to submit as early as you can or just buy the early bird submissions now and then submit later on. Just as long as it's before the submission deadline and then you're fine. I always recommend to submit early rather than later because then you're not stressed out at the last minute or you've got tech questions and stuff like that. So I recommend that if you're interested in submitting, just go ahead and get the early bird submissions now. You can also save a little bit instead of paying for the full price at regular submission. And a little bit about Lisa. Lisa Baker is the owner and founder of Bluestone Staging and Design based in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania. Her company offers a full range of home staging services from consultations to full vacant staging, vacation rental, furnishing and styling services, and also paint and finish selections, as well as e-design services. She worked mostly in Harrisburg, Hershey, and Lancaster areas of central Pennsylvania, and she started her company in 2016 after having gone through the process of building and designing a new house while prepping her other house for sale and falling in love with the process. So her passion for design, organization, and keen eye for detail makes home staging a perfect fit for her. And she's committed to creating beautiful homes and providing the highest level of service with every single project. She has received her expert psychological stager certification in 2018 and then also her psychological color expert designation in 2020. She's an active real estate investor, which allows her to keep pulse on the real estate market. She's passionate about educating the local real estate community about home staging, as well as offering support, guidance, collaboration opportunities to other local stagers and designers through her leadership role in the local chapter of her RISA chapter. So RISA stands for Real Estate Staging Association, if you're not familiar with it. Lisa is also a wife and mom to twin sons and enjoys evening at home, cooking, being near water, and spending time with family. 
So we had a great conversation today about her home staging business, and I hope you can take a lot of good nuggets away from it. And just a quick reminder, we have our monthly staging challenge for this month. So this is actually going to be a last one for a while, because if you're interested in submitting, I would really recommend you to do the International Home Staging Awards, because obviously we got a really great jewelry panel this year. You're going to get a lot of exposure through having Madeline, who was on the show last episode, someone from a major press outlet to look at your work. And then also, this is a really good press opportunity as well, because we are pitching this to international press outlets. So if you're interested in entering a home staging project after this month, I really recommend you to focus on submitting your projects to the International Home Staging Awards. So I think that is going to be great. We also have one more live workshop this month. It's going to be with Galen. It's going to be on your home staging website. So I think it is really critical now, especially after the pandemic, that you are really great at presenting yourself on the internet. Because that's essentially how everyone is looking in the real estate industry, not only for hiring stagers, but also for hiring real estate agents or, you know, whatever it is, or even buying houses, right? That trend is really important right now is just to be really great at your online presence. And your staging website is a huge part of that because we don't really have physical stores for, you know, clients to come through. We certainly are not going to let them to see our warehouse, right? I don't know about your warehouse, but my warehouse was a total war zone. So there's a lot of things that we're just not going to be able to let the clients come and look at it. Also for health and safety, I don't want people to trip at the warehouse because we have everything going on, especially during the busy season. There's stuff essentially everywhere. So that's why having a website is really important because not only you're able to showcase who you are as a home stager to tell that point of view through your portfolio. The search engine optimization benefit is also huge. So Galen, a good friend of mine, she is a specialist in this. She not only does website design, she also knows SEO. She was one of our speakers from our inaugural StagerCon in 2020, and she was one of the most popular speakers that year because Galen just has a really great way of breaking very technical and boring and complicated things down into simple, understandable terms. And that's why her session was very popular. And knowing some basic SEO is really going to help you a lot to get found by the local clients that you have in real estate, both home sellers and real estate agents. So yeah, I think it's going to be a really great workshop. We designed these workshops to be very interactive. If you cannot make it live, there is a replay for three-day period. This is pretty standard for our live workshops. Unfortunately, due to the agreement with our speakers, we just cannot leave replay period to be infinite. If you're interested in learning more about your website, just come to the workshop. And I highly encourage you to show up live because then you can ask questions live and then get your answers and feedback live as well from our guest expert. We have many more to come in May and June. If you're interested, just go to our website at stageworld.com slash workshops and you'll find out all about it. All right, so let's start the show. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Cindy. Thanks for having me. And congratulations on winning the best vacation home staging project this year in our International Home Staging Awards. So before we get started on the show today, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and also your home staging business? Absolutely. So my name is Lisa Baker. I live in Elizabethtown, Pennsylvania, which is just outside of the state capital of Harrisburg. 
I'm married. I have twin sons who just turned 11. So that's fun. (laughs) And prior to staging, I spent about 15 years in the corporate world, kind of doing everything from IT auditing to supply chain finance to marketing finance. So kind of ran the gamut there. But my company, I started about five and a half years ago. It's called Blue Stone Staging and Design Company. And we specialize in vacant staging. We do occupied staging, consultations. And one of my favorite things to do is paint consulting. I love color and I love trying to figure out the right palette for each home. We do vacation home furnishing and styling and do some redesign work as well. So a little bit of everything because, you know, as you know, sometimes that staging business can be a little bit of an up and down. So we fill the gaps with, you know, the vacation rentals and styling and stuff. That's very cool. Is it difficult to offer so many different services? Like how do you juggle basically from switching to one service to the other? It is because a lot of times, as you know, with staging, you get that call of, hey, I need it done next week. So you kind of have to kind of switch gears quickly. With design work and stuff, it's a little bit of a longer process. So, you know, I have a little bit more flexibility time-wise there. One of the big things that I found that's helped in kind of keeping me straight is making sure that I have a little bit of time each week that's sort of not filled. That way, if staging would shift, I can like work on design stuff or I can fill in a stage here and there. Just keeping my schedule sort of open at certain points so I can can accommodate some of those different requests for paint consulting or redesign work or vacant staging. It can kind of all work together. Yeah. I think the great thing about offering multiple services is like you said, you know, there's that ebb and flow in the market as well. And so when staging slows down, your vacation rental probably picks up. And so that's kind of a nice way to kind of fill in the gap. Yes. You need to keep that revenue stream coming in. (laughs) So how did you get started in staging? So it's kind of a culmination of various things, but I had kind of hit my corporate burnout. And at the same time, we were getting ready to sell a house. I was helping design and build a new house. And I just started feeling like I needed more creativity in my life. Plus, my kids were really young. I needed a way to have more flexibility. They're getting to be school age soon. And I'm like, how am I going to be able to put them on the bus every day or pick them up from school every day? Because in corporate, I had to be there from 8 to 530 or later sometimes. So it was just sort of this culmination of all these events. And even during the selling process of our old house, you know, I was asking my realtor, like, what do I need to do here? What do I need to do there? I don't want two mortgages. This house has to sell. And she was just like, don't worry, it'll be fine. I'm like, no, no, I need to do whatever I can to make sure this house sells. She mentioned this thing called home staging, didn't really know much about it, started researching it. And I was like, wow, okay, this is interesting. And then she even put the bug in my ear of, you know, you could help other people do this. You did really well with getting your house ready. You asked all the right questions. You did everything right. So that was the little start to it all. And then a little bit while later in my corporate job, my company was offering a buyout. 
So if you had so many years of service, you could apply for this buyout. And I thought, you know what? Why not try this? Why not do something? I can always come back to corporate world, right? It's not going anywhere. So I did it. I just took that leap of faith about five, well, it'll be six years ago in, on Thanksgiving this year that I left full time. And I slowly got into it. Like I was sort of enjoying that time with my kids in that first year or two. I wasn't out pounding the pavement and I'll totally upfront with that. I just thought, you know, I'll build my website. I'll meet with a few realtors, kind of take it slow until they get into school and I have more time. But that's how I got into it, which is, you know, I have this data analytical side of my brain, but I've got this creativity side too. And so I'm trying to meld them together to run this business. So <laughs> I do think staging is like the perfect marriage between the two because I'm a little bit of a hmm. geek. Both of my parents had their own businesses. Both sets of my grandparents had their own businesses. So like wow. for me, I actually really enjoy the business running side, the operation side. Obviously I enjoy the creative too, but actually between the two, I prefer the business side. <laughs> okay. That's interesting. Yeah. I was, I was all geeked out to like set up all these spreadsheets and like get myself all organized and I love both. So same as you. <laughs> and I love that you have a very analytical background. So how have you applied your analytical skills in your home staging business now? Mm, that's a really good question, Cindy. I don't know. Like, I wonder if it's just how my brain's working in the background. And, you know, I guess there's a thing of balancing too. Like, you know, you got debits and credits and here I got orange on this side of the room. I need to maybe repeat some orange on the other side. I mean, it definitely helps me stay probably organized as far as like making sure I'm showing up to the job with everything that I need. Just really thinking through all the possible combinations of things too. That's one of my things. I like to kind of work out my stages a little bit ahead of time, making sure that the things are going to work well together. So I'm not sure. That's a good question. <laughs> well, I also think that because you come from kind of the IT and then the more, I think, analytical side, I wonder if you track certain metrics in your business that you're always looking at. Maybe it's like days on number, you know, like how quickly, how fast, especially I think with Airbnb staging, you definitely see that a lot in terms of marketing. We need to communicate with the Airbnb owner that typically if we come in and stage your Airbnb, the rental rate usually increased by X number of percent, that kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm constantly on Zillow or Realtor.com kind of looking at like those houses that I staged a couple of weeks ago. Like, oh, how many views does it have? How many saves does it have compared to like the house down the street? You know, I'm a little bit behind on keeping up with all of my statistics, but it's definitely one way to show how much staging works. I mean, and some of those vacation rentals too, like getting those five-star reviews is just money in your pocket. Like having a hundred reviews at five stars. I mean, you can't pay for that kind of stuff. <laughs> exactly. And so was it difficult to transition from your previous career to staging how was that transition for you? And what did you do actually to transition out of your corporate career into running your own business? Yeah, it was a little bit of a slow start. So when I left full-time, I actually had to go back part-time till they could fill my position and then get that person trained up to kind of what I was doing before. So 
I left in November. I went back part time till like April. And then I basically said, I can't spend half my time here and start running a business. I need to just say goodbye and just kind of get my feet wet and start going. So I would say like this transition was a little slow. I was just trying to get that website up, meet with realtors, trying to figure out. I mean, I really didn't know much. I was always in that corporate side. Always unlike you, like where you had family that was owning their own businesses. I didn't have any of that. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know I needed to network with people. No clue. So it was just kind of figuring that stuff out. I joined a few networking groups, try to just get out there and meet people, talk about what I did, got comfortable with talking about what I did, that elevator pitch, you know. So that was kind of that my slow transition in was just really trying to get out there and network, going to different meetups like investor meetups, real estate investor meetups was something that I started to do. And it wasn't even just about like getting the jobs. It was just about meeting people and knowing who I could call for something. And I ended up getting into real estate investing myself through going to these meetings, you know, owning rental properties. So it's helped me even further like grow personally too. But yeah, that transition was interesting when you're used to a corporate job for 15 years and then you're going to setting your own schedule. I knew I had to be like, okay, Lisa, get up, get showered, get your day started. Like you can't lay around your PJs till noon, (laughs) even though you want to. (laughs) I know it's all about the athleisure wear. I feel like once you transition to a small business life, (laughs) how is your local real estate market like? It's still really good. We're in a really rural area. I mean, I know we're outside the state capital, but Harrisburg's still a pretty small city, I'll call it. We have a couple local towns like Hershey, Pennsylvania is right down the road. People are familiar with that. We have Lancaster, Pennsylvania, really cool small city. A lot of redevelopment going on, a lot of flips happening. Overall, though, the inventories are still really low and houses are still moving. I mean, you still got to price it right. You still need to market it well, but houses are moving. So we're still pretty good here. That's great. And so when you first started your home staging business, how did you build up your business and start working with staging clients? Yeah, it definitely started with getting out there and networking. And really, I kind of got that first client. And honestly, it's been word of mouth a lot from there, as well as just being consistent on social media, trying to reach out to local realtors, commenting on their posts and things like that. Those have been the probably the biggest things for me, just word of mouth and just being consistent online. People seeing our work consistently and seeing our style and vibe and everything that's really helped to, you know, and they're watching in the background. That's what I always have to remember. They might not be engaging, but, you know, you'll get that note saying, Hey, I've been really seeing a lot of your stuff lately and I like what I see and how much would it be for this? And, you know, and I might not get that job or they might not have a job for me right away, but in six months from now or even a year from now, they may call. So that's why I'm still trying to be really consistent with social media just to make sure I stay top of mind and everything like that. So those are probably the biggest things, but somebody had to take a chance on me initially. (laughs) 
No, that's great. And I agree with that too, because we used to leave our business cards in homes that we stage. And then yeah. someone sent me a realtor and they will take out a car. I'll be like, I think that car was printed five years ago. I recognize <laughs> that bad paper, you know? Yeah. You never know. Somebody could hear, you know, I get the call like, Hey, so-and-so gave me your name. And I'm like, I don't know who that person is, but great. <laughs> So glad they gave you my name, but I'm not sure I know them, <laughs> but they saw me somewhere. Yeah. And with your staging, how do you normally approach that process? How do you decide what to bring into the home and figure out the color palette, et cetera, et cetera? I definitely kind of let the home speak to me first. I deal with a lot of different styles of homes. So like there's one I'm getting ready to stage in in Hershey next week. And I walked it last week and I'm like, okay, everything is like very modern fixtures, black and white and like that gray vinyl flooring. I start to get like, okay, that that's my cue. I can't start bringing in like light woods against this. It's not going to look right. So I start to go through what do I have in my inventory that's going to work well with the aesthetic of the house already. But one of my starting points always tends to be the rug. What is that rug going to be? And kind of how do I build around that? And then do I have it? If I don't, I got to go shopping. I'm still kind of building up my inventory. So I'm trying with each stage to, you know, set aside a certain chunk to put towards, you know, investing in my inventory. But yeah, it's kind of going through that artwork and the bedding and just kind of making sure it will all connect and flow together trying to maybe even make that consistent. I did a house last week where there were touches of blue in pretty much every room and try to make that feel consistent. But yeah, I let the house kind of lead me at least initially. And then I start to think, what do I have available in inventory and how do I meld it together? That's great. I love that. I think it's an interesting approach to start from the rug. I never thought about that. <laughs> it helps me or or maybe a piece of art. Like there's certain artwork that I love, you know, and I'm like, not every house can use it, but I'm like, okay, this art's going to go great in this house. And then like I plan around it. So something has to be my kickoff starting point. So it's usually the rug or art. I do think it makes sense though, because rug is really a grounding piece, right? It also visually, it takes up a large portion of the room. So it's actually a very important piece to anchor the space. Absolutely. So yeah, I think it makes sense that you're building it from ground up. And it's interesting to hear people's processes because for me, I think I also go by feeling like I walk in, I immediately can think like, okay, the sofa set in our warehouse would be yes. perfect for this. And so in a way, I kind of built around the large, the key piece I want to use for the focal point. And does your approach change when you're doing vacation homes? It definitely has to a little bit, just because, as you know, with staging, it has to look good. It doesn't necessarily have to be super comfortable or super functional as far as like wear and tear. But as vacation rental, I have to think about how people are going to use the space the items need to be super comfortable and usable, that kind of thing. So there's definitely a different thought process there. Obviously, the aesthetic and overall feeling that you get, you want to be similar to staging, but you just have to put a little bit more thought into that function and durability of the items that are going into the stage or into the vacation rental stage. 
Yeah. I stayed at a lot of Airbnbs before COVID. I used to travel a lot. Mm-hmm. And I think when you read people's review, if the bed is uncomfortable, they definitely will say that. You know, it's a very comfort thing. Things like location, obviously, that's something we cannot change through staging. But things that affect the comfort level in the home definitely will be in the review as well. And so I think that approach, we have to make sure that we have to be very aware in terms of the inventory we put into the home. Absolutely. Yeah. And I've kind of got down to like two mattresses that tend to get really great reviews. So it's like, all right, these are my go-tos now for mattresses. You know, I'm starting to really kind of narrow in on my go-tos for vacation rentals because it's important to be able to turn those around quickly. So I've got two that I'm working on that that'll need to be done by December and we just signed the contract. So I got to get my butt moving. (laughs) That's really interesting. So let's talk a little bit about that. Actually, I'm very curious. So how did you nail down the wall? These are the two mattresses. You go to the mattress store and you lay on every single one (laughs) to try. Like, how did you figure that out? Actually, the first one was a suggestion because initially when I did my first one, I was like, I want you guys to select the mattresses because I know how important that is. You put in what you think is going to be comfortable because I think everybody has a different level of comfort, right? So they said, these are the ones that we want to go with. I've actually stayed in this vacation rental since I've done it and the beds are super comfortable. So I'm like, okay, I like this. This is going to be one of my go-tos. And then another one I had gotten from, I had listened into RisaCon. They had a session on vacation rental furnishing and they suggested a particular mattress on that episode. So I was like, they do hundreds of these. So I got to imagine that this is good. <laughs> I haven't actually slept on that one yet, but I will take their word for it. (laughs) That's really funny. So it sounds like you go in and you do everything. So you will select everything and then do the purchasing for your client. Yep. Basically, I start with like a little bit of a floor plan layout. I use design files as kind of like my way to communicate with my client. So I do a little layout that just says, hey, we're going to do a sofa here, a side chair here, a coffee table, rug, plant, just real kind of basic. And then I'll do another board that kind of starts selecting those specific pieces. And then they go in and I have them approve anything that's over like a certain dollar amount, say like $300. So they would approve the sofa and maybe the rug, but like the little things, pillows and greeneries, I just go ahead and do that. And they give me permission to just go ahead and I give them an overall budget by room. I'll just say it's a buildup. Okay, that's kind of how I start. Step one is build up a budget. You okay with that? Okay, great. Next step is do the layout, get their approval and the big purchases. And then I'm off and running. And then I start to fill in the gaps with all the, the little fun stuff with the art and pillows and things like that. That's amazing. So what's the usual lead time for you? Because it sounds like it's quite a big process as well, especially client approval is involved. So what's yeah. your project timing looks like usually? Yeah, I mean, it definitely depends, but it so happens that both of the contracts that I'm working on, they want to have it done by mid-December. So I kind of give myself a timeline of when I need to get them to the designs. And then I gave them a timeline to get the approvals back to me and a couple day leeway for a little bit of back and forth or something like that. If they don't approve of something, we'll come up with an alternate. And then I have like three or four weeks to kind of procure everything. And then I get a week for installation. 
that's how that's working out. But obviously like bigger, like that vacation home that you had seen, like that was a little bit of a longer project. We had about eight weeks, I think, to do that one, eight to 10 weeks. So it sounds like you also present a mood board of some sort. So they know the look and feel that is going to go into the house. Yeah. And what's great is, you know, as you get some of these under your belt, you can share like, hey, this is the last vacation rental that I did. And that's exactly what I did on these two current ones. I shared with them a recent vacation rental I had done in Hershey back in May. You know, the kind of that owner said, ah, here's the style. Here's the kind of overall feel I want to get. And I did run with that. And they both really loved it. So they're like, that's exactly what we're looking for. We want it to feel like warm and inviting, but have some color. So yeah, showing them how the floor plan came to like the design mood board to then the reality of the picture. I kind of just stepped them through all three of those pieces so they could see it come to life. That's very cool. It sounds like you have your process nailed down. But before you get to that point, how long did it take you to kind of figure out all the bits and pieces? I still think I'm stumbling through it a little bit, but you know, you learn as you go, honestly. I mean, I've really only done like four vacation rentals. One was more of a a refresh, like kept the beds and like refreshed all the bedding and the art and the lamps and stuff. So this will be my fifth and sixth one. So I can't say that I've done like a plethora of them, but I'm just honing in on that process each time. What works, what doesn't work. With those, communication is just key to everything. Like as much as I try to say, oh, this sofa is going to be ready. It'll ship in two weeks. I mean, we all know in our world today, those things can change. So I just said, we just have to be open and honest. And if something would get backordered, we'll come up with a game plan. We'll come up with a solution or we wait, but we have to talk through it. So it's definitely harder now with just the delays of everything. but. You got to make it work. Yeah, I think the supply chain issue right now, it's pretty horrible. It's funny because recently on our Instagram, I answered this question about leaving inventory in the home. And when I answered it, I was based on before COVID, you know, that's when I was reaching. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I'll just leave it there as long as possible to get as much money out of that project. Because typically right. our homes sell very fast. So wherever a little bit extra, that's great. Especially during holiday time, it's perfect. Mm -hmm. I don't have to bring that back into the warehouse. But now people are saying, well, because of COVID, they can't really get the stuff. So that's why they want to do stage. And I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. You (laughs) you don't really think about these things when you're working through everything. And they just kind of learn and adapt as you go. Yeah. I mean, you know, two years ago, pulling a stage together in a week wasn't hard, but now it's like, oh, shoot, I don't have a dining table. Like all my dining tables are out or it just doesn't work with the style of the house. Like getting one in that amount of time is pretty much impossible, but got to work through those issues somehow. So where do you get your inventory now? For staging, I use Amazon a lot, Wayfair, Target. And then there's some local places that I get some things from as well. I do dabble in painting furniture or kind of upcycling pieces too to kind of help keep my costs lower. I mean, I haven't ventured into wholesaling yet just because, well, as you know, I just recently went into a warehouse space. So that may change. So I was really kind of being very lean in what inventory I had and the space that I had available to me to store and everything. So I was just kind of buying as I needed. But yeah, so right now it's just mostly been retail. 
but just searching for the deals. And again, it's trying to get the look without spending the dollars. Been trying to hone in on that a little bit. Just trying to keep my cost down overall. It's like, again, we're, we're in a rural area. And when people see sometimes that staging price, it's like, oh, <laughs> you know, I got to pay for the inventory and overhead and labor and truck and gas and all of that stuff that goes into a stage, as you know, but retail mostly. And how is that warehouse process like? What made you decide to rent the warehouse you're in now? Just the inefficiency of I was in a bonus room above my garage, had all my art, lamps, bedding and pillows. And it was just a disaster. and It was overfilled. And then I was out of three storage units. Two were next to each other, but then there was another one that was a little bit further away. And it just, anytime I had a stage or destage, it was like multiple stops. And as I mentioned earlier, how I like to kind of work through my stage before I get there, I couldn't really do that. I'm thinking, okay, that rug is in that storage unit. I think there's these colors in it, but I can't really see what these pillows look like with it. I was just driving myself nuts with it. And it just came to the point where I needed to have everything in a central location. And it just so happened that another stager in my area was kind of moving on to her next job. And she was liquidating her stuff and her lease was up and she reached out to me and I came in and she moved out and I moved right in. (laughs) So it worked out really well. The racking and stuff was already there. So I purchased that. I didn't have to worry about trying to figure that part out. It's made it really, really nice, I must say. That's amazing. That's very lucky of you. (laughs) I know. I visited her warehouse many times before because we're close friends. And I was just like, you're four minutes from my house. If this space ever becomes available, I need to know like immediately because, you know, it's just down the road. It's so convenient on and off the highway. It's a great location for me. So again, everything sort of culminated to uh, the right decision on this one. That's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm excited for you. I think it's such a big thing when you move into a commercial warehouse because now you actually can do wholesale. And I think that can be very powerful, especially once you start get going with your Airbnb volumes. I mean, it will be so much nicer to order things in bulk. Yeah, because the last one I did, my garage was just filled with boxes. And I was just like, okay, I can't do this again. So, and part of my warehouse space is it's like kind of broken into two sections. And the one I run the staging out of, and then this other section right now is sort of empty because I'm hoping to grow into it. But right now I can just have everything delivered there and can store it there until I'm ready to just haul it all over and install it. So that alone will be just a huge weight off my shoulders, just having that. But That's absolutely correct. Getting deliveries and things like that will make it so much nicer. Yeah. And I imagine working on the residential side versus with investors, you know, like Airbnb owners are a little bit different approach. Can you talk a little bit about that? I mean, actually, some of my Airbnb owners are investors. They would be similar to ones that I would do flips for. But there's a couple others that are just, you know, local, just running out, you know, a house. I think just working with them and kind of getting them to understand like how important the marketing, you know, you just don't throw stuff in a space, take a couple pictures and just hope for the best. 
you really have to think through the marketing of that. And that's a service that I, I'm hoping to offer them as well, like just helping them set up, get the professional photography done, show the lifestyle that you want to show in those pictures. We hire a professional photographer, but I also, I love photography too. So I've been, you know, trying to dabble in that. And I share some of my more vignette type photos, stylistic photos or beauty shots, if you will, to use in their Instagram. And I say, you might even want to create an Instagram account for your Airbnb and share local events that are happening. Things like that. That's really helpful. So I think just those homeowners that aren't investors or this is their first time like investing in something, just kind of helping them see the bigger picture and how customer service and and all of that kind of play in is helpful to set them up for success. I love that idea, actually, having an Instagram account for their Airbnb. Because we see that a lot in bigger cities, right? A lot of investors have multiple Airbnbs. Yeah. And then they will call it a cool name. I don't know, whatever it is. Right. Usually it has a name. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And usually it has a really cool, I think, hipster name (laughs) (laughs) in the LA market. So I think that makes perfect sense. It's all about what's Instagram friendly nowadays as well. I think a lot of times people are renting Airbnbs and they want that kind of designing interiors that is very Instagram friendly. Absolutely. How did you get your first Airbnb project? They were actually investor friends of mine. They had seen a house I had staged in Hershey. This was about four years ago, (laughs) kind of guessing on the date. But they had reached out to me saying, Hey, we might have a project that we might need you for. And I was like, Okay. And they reached out, you know, a couple months later and they had bought this little cottage in a little town called Mount Gretna. That's just this little tiny community. It's got a little lake. It's got a little theater. It's a really cute. And they're just full of like these really cool cottages with wraparound porches and, you know, swings on the front porch. So that was my actual first sort of like Airbnb gig. I think it was only like 900 square feet. So we like packed in like a sleeper sofa, two beds up in the loft area. And it turned out really cute. We did everything from like suggest paint colors to furnishing it out. They created an Instagram account for their cottage. Can't think of the name of it off the top of my head, but it turned out really, really great. And it was getting great reviews. Again, it kind of goes back to the, you never know when you you're staging or something is going to impact somebody and they pick up that card and they may call you months later. But yeah, they just saw a stage and liked it and thought of me. So it's really cool. That's fantastic. Do you feel that with investors, sometimes it's a little bit challenging because they're more budget conscious or it's actually the other way around for you? It depends. You know, I work with some investors that do a lot of volume and they're a little bit more budget conscious. Then there's others that like really go they're putting in nicer finishes, they're trying to really maximize and they're not doing as many. And then they're a little bit more open to a little bit more of a budget. There's an investor that he's the one that really gave me my start was he does, I think like up to 70 homes a year. He's got multiple crews going and he flips so much that we ended up purchasing like six sets of furniture for him. And we literally just pick up houses and move them as they close and another one's ready. We just interchange it and it works for him. 
that's great because it's not using up my inventory. He does enough houses that he always has one where the inventory can go to if the house is closing. It can get a little tricky sometimes, but it's worked out. And he kind of really gave me my big start as far as staging goes. But yeah, we still stage probably two to three a month for him. That is amazing. That's great. With your Airbnb projects, do you only do the setup or do you do follow-up service as well? Like refreshment, that kind of thing? I have not done the refreshing yet, but that is definitely something that that I've been wanting to look into. But I have heard and see that there's a lot of people that are doing that. So I'm going to kind of take note of that and, and look into that. Yeah, I definitely think it's a, a nice additional revenue stream. Like we mm-hmm. interviewed Carrie who won last year's award. And yeah. that's something that she has packed into her service as well. And she's got people helping her out with that. And she really has it down to a system. So that's actually quite nice. Also, I think it's an opportunity too, because Airbnb things do get tired because people are living yes. on it. It's not like a stage home that things essentially are fairly pristine, even though they're being moved from house to house. But yeah, I think Airbnb stuff can feel a bit tired sometimes. And I do see that in the review sometimes. Or I've experienced it too. I rent an Airbnb thinking it looks really cute. But walk in, it's like, oh, that's a little flat. <laughs> yeah, the photo's been maybe a few years old. You know, things are looking mm. really tired. What would you say are like the biggest things to refresh? Is it like pillows and art or some of the actual furniture? I think a lot of it is maintenance issues. So things that look dirty, it's definitely not great. I think for Airbnb traveler. So for example, if there's a lot of handprints on the doorframe and walls, I think that's really more a maintenance issue on the host. But yeah. you also feel with bedding too. If that bedding is super beat up or you got on there, there's hair on it. It's like the worst <laughs> thing. Or towels too, right? Those are some of the things that as a stager you can provide, but will go out very quickly just because how much they're being washed. So that could be actually a nice refresher service. And also maybe a seasonal refresh as well. Like change up the mm-hmm. color palette so it looks a little bit fresher. A friend of mine is a photographer and then she actually has this subscription service in a way that every season she will come into your business to help you refresh your headshot or your product shots or whatever it is. And it's kind of a nice way to build up long-term income because you already know that package is there that it's going to generate you income that quarter. So I think that's kind of a nice thing to do. Is it Frequent Airbnb user, I think the biggest thing is cleanliness. So whatever thing that stagers can do to make sure that comes across that this house is properly maintained, just like when we're selling a house, is really important. Dirty grout or moldy ceiling, I've seen kind of the gamut, unfortunately. Those are some of the things as well. And sometimes, for example, the decor looks really tired. It looks a little bit outdated. That also signals to me that the Airbnb owner probably is not really taking care of his or hers property, just like when we're selling a house, really. Yeah, we had clients of mine that I did a vacation rental for. They bought another one and it was fully furnished, but it was tired. And a lot of the things were outdated, just some of the lamps and artwork and even some of the beds, a lot of heavy wood pieces that just ate up the room like entirely. 
And so we kind of went room by room and said, okay, let's do, we'll keep this, we'll keep the nightstands, but we're going to switch out the bed. We're going to switch out the art and bring in new lamps and new curtains. And I spent a week just refreshing that space just to get it ready to go on the market for short-term rental. So that was a fun project too. Just kind of, it's harder actually, because you're working with things that are there and trying to inject like some life (laughs) that can be harder than just like designing it from scratch. Just like occupied stages can be harder than vacant stages, which a lot of people don't think that's the way it should be, but I feel it is. I definitely do think it's more challenging to try to fit with existing homeowner stuff because they may be living in that home for 10 years. So naturally things will be outdated. And it's really difficult to try to find inventory that is going to fit that, you know, mm-hmm. seamlessly. And I think one of the key things about Airbnbs is that things need to be photographed very well. So the stuff that you choose needs to be fairly photogenic. I think with staging, or even if the client doesn't stage, there is in a way that second chance, which you want to go in and see the house. Whereas with Airbnb, if they saw it on the photo, they think it's this way and they show up, it's less than their expectation, then you're definitely get a bad review. There's no coming back from that. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that is really the challenging thing. But I think the manager or the owner of Airbnb has to be very aware. And I think that's really where stagers come in. There's a huge opportunity to really refresh and then making sure that that property is going to shine on the online listing. Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, that is your people are making the decision to spend money based upon your pictures online. I mean, that's what it comes down to. They need to nail it with the pictures, the lifestyle, even showing like pictures a little bit around the town, like some of the fun things to do, like incorporating all of that stuff. So how deep do you go into? Do you help them pick out when I talk to Carrie, for example, she's got mini shaving kits and bath kits, bath bomb, for example, for the bath. So how far do you go in in terms of helping them pull the Airbnb together? I mean, at this point, I'm really just kind of furnishing and styling the space. I do give them like a checklist of supplies that they should be looking into. At this point, I haven't really like gone the full gamut of like, because sometimes they're like, well, what can we do to help? Right. So I'm like, well, here, go get all the kitchen supplies, clean them, you know, wash them up and get them in. So I'm still at the point where I'm just kind of focusing on the aesthetic of it all. But again, like I will supply them those checklists of things that they can incorporate into the bathroom or those amenities that would be nice to have. So I don't do that at this point, but definitely a service that I could add on at some point for sure. And what would you say are the biggest challenge when it comes to staging vacation homes? I think probably just making sure the client and I are kind of on the same page with a vacant stage. I kind of have the say, like I bring it in and it's to my liking and and that's all I need. Whereas with that, it's, you know, they need to give me that approval So that's a little bit different, a little bit just sort of navigating those waters a bit. And, you know, with the last one that I did, you know, the homeowner and I sometimes didn't see quite eye to eye, but I would really just state my case and saying, here's why I am suggesting this, because it's easily wipeable. You can move these around. They're stackable. Like there's so many reasons. And then eventually, like, It's just, again, explaining and showing your rationale for why you're choosing something over something else. 
and eventually she was like, okay, I get it. But that takes some time, right? To get them on board. So that's probably the biggest hurdle right now is just kind of making sure and explaining why you're doing what you're doing. And there's a reason for it. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, we're coming in as a consultant, right? Like these are our kind of professional expertise. And ultimately it's up to the homeowner to decide if they want to take it or not. Obviously it's better if they take it because (laughs) we have more experience in that sense. So sometimes it is a difficult conversation to have. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. You just have to have the communication lines open, you know, hear them out. And they might have a very good reason for, you know, why they're wanting something. But, you know, it's our job and as a professional to state your case and say why you suggest something. But like you said, it's ultimately up to them. But a lot of times you get that, okay, I get it. You're the professional. I will go with whatever you say. (laughs) 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 And do you do any sort of special marketing right now to attract vacation home clients? Not at this point. I haven't, I mean, I've done a few social media posts about it, but I haven't really hit that hard or anything. It's just been people have been finding me, or again, it's been word of mouth. And definitely a couple people that have just heard from so and so that I've done this, or just putting out there to a couple realtors that I also offer this service. So if they sell somebody a house that they're planning to use as an Airbnb or VRBO, They'll give my name if they need, you know, say, Hey, do you need some help furnishing it? Here, you call Lisa. She can help you out. So I've had that happen as well. But it's again, just kind of talking about what you do, any chance that you get. So we're coming up to the end of 2021. What's in store for you in 2022? What are some of the things that you want to change or explore next year? I think for me, it's getting to a certain level of inventory for the staging side of the business, potentially adding on a part-time employee just to help me keep sane. (laughs) But just, you know, you always need that second set of eyes. When you're an entrepreneur, you're, you're wearing all the hats. And at some point, I need to start delegating some of those tasks and jobs. So that's probably my biggest goal for 2022 is potential hire. And I'm also looking at to getting a truck. For next year. I feel like the U-Haul, local U-Haul guy and I are very close at this point. He just puts the key out and I go. Like it's it's pretty sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been there, done that. Yeah. I think yeah. it's a good move to make, to be honest. Because then you also have more control and it's nicer since you have a commercial warehouse space because we just park our van. We subcontract out movers, but we have our own cargo van. A lot of stuff just stay on the van essentially almost permanently. You don't even need to unload it at this point and you just pull it into the warehouse. And it's quite nice to just be able to have an accessories van. That's basically our our van. Like it's filled with fillers and pillows. That's a great idea. Because you always need a little extra, no matter what. It's like, oh shoot, I needed another greenery or I needed another pillow or something. Yeah. And I was just superstitious. You know, I'm always afraid to be, I don't want to be on a job site and be like, crap, I'm missing one pillow. (laughs) That's happened many times. So it's nice to have a van just filled with different colors, bed pillow. I love that. (laughs) Because I drive a minivan personally and it's coming to like, I want a new vehicle, but I'm like, I'm not going to, it's worth like nothing at this point. So I'm like, I might just keep that for the business. And like you said, just keep it to run around in with like extra stuff. Cause even today, like we had a stage this morning and I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I need this. Just throw it in. 
I probably had six or seven extra pillows, just random, you know, thrown in was like, you just, you never know when that quarter needs something or, or I always take extra greens because, you know, you always can use them. And when you had the movers, did you move stuff in the cargo van, like your furniture, or did you have a truck for the big stuff? Most of my smaller breakable things go into the cargo van, but okay. all the large pieces go into the truck. So the movers will come in the morning, they load up everything, and then they will load the smaller, more delicate things like bins into my van. And I have basically extra fillers, extra pillows, accent and bed. And I also have small pieces of artwork. Like I have a bin of small artwork. Because you never know, right? Until you get there, maybe you're like, oh my God, we need something in this nook and cranny. And so it's kind of a nice filler. I just have all sorts of different fillers in my van, essentially. Someone can probably live in there, I think. <laughs> I just need a bathroom and a kitchen. Really. But yeah, talk about You can change the decor every day and switch it up. Yeah. <laughs> it just made it really flexible in the sense that I don't have to worry, oh my God, we might forget this extra thing. And sometimes there are human errors. You know, we tag everything, but sometimes there has been instances where the mover forgot this one bin. Mm -hmm. But luckily we have all the fillers in the car already. So we can just fill in that missing space. And also I think you learned too, because we work with our movers for a long time. To the point where they know exactly our rhythm and also where things are stored. And sometimes they even remind me or like when they get there, they're like, what size of bed are we bringing today? They already know kind of our workflow. Yeah, It's actually really nice to just know. But the things we know that with trucks, the way it's packed with the things like bins that we cannot close or stack, those Mm -hmm. are much safer to just go into our vehicle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I would love to get to that point. I'm working on it. But right now it's like we do a lot of smaller like row homes in Lancaster City. So like we get, of course, I'm driving the truck. So just finding parking and parallel parking trucks is always gives me anxiety, but I'm getting better. But we fit everything in those 10 foot U-Haul trucks. Usually we pack that thing to the brim. But if any time we can get an extra car or just to throw in a couple extra things, that makes it so much nicer. And sometimes we have to get the bigger trucks, but yeah, I would love to be able to get a cargo van, you know, wrap it with the branding and stuff like that. Cause those would be great for occupied stages. And then just those extra things, like you said, and then you have the truck kind of separate, just bringing the big stuff. Yeah. And I think it's also a personal choice. I think in California for us, having a truck is actually fairly expensive And so for me, it made much more financial sense to just have the movers. And also the movers have different size vehicles. So sometimes we need 14, 16, even 20. They already have it in stock. And so in that sense, it made my operation much leaner and more flexible. But I think ultimately depends on what works. Because there's plenty of stagers here in the Bay Area have their own trucks. I see them all the time. So yeah. That's a goal next year, whether it is just the van for the business or I'm trying to figure out what's that right size truck that you're not making multiple trips or you're not using something too big and you don't need. Because again, we stage sort of small places to big four bedroom, five bedroom homes, you know, not fully, but that requires a a lot of furniture. So got to make it so it's flexible for sure. Yeah. So now that you have a few years under your belt, what would you say were some of the biggest lessons you learned in building your home staging business? Some of the lessons from 
an inventory buying standpoint is not buying anything that's specific to a home that you'll probably never use again. <laughs> I think we have all at some point have done that, but I've fallen into that trap a couple of times. But you know what? You have an out. You could try and sell it on Craigslist or Marketplace or something like that. So I'm really trying to be smart about what I buy for inventory, things that can be multi-use. Like it could be an end table, it could be a nightstand, or it can be a console table, it can be a desk. Trying to be smart about that because I've definitely bought things that used one time and didn't use again. Another lesson is just follow-up. I was not very good at that initially. And even if it's just a quick text to say, Hey, you know, how are showings going? What's the feedback been? You know, just trying to stay engaged with your client, whether it's a homeowner or investor or realtor, just keeping top of mind or like, you know, they have a project that's, you know, two months out, but you know, just checking in like, Hey, how's that project going? Whatever street going? Let me know if I can be of help. That kind of stuff. I'm learning to get better at putting reminders to send follow-ups. And then just, I wasn't consistent initially. And I'm realizing that was a big fault. Just again, showing up, being consistent, even if you don't think anybody's out there watching or listening, just keep going at it. At some point, it'll start to click. And it's hard. It's definitely took me a few years to get consistent work. So you just need to be patient. You're not going to have this super thriving business in three months. It didn't happen for me, but it just being consistent and showing up for whatever it is, meetups or networking events and things like that. Yeah, it definitely takes a minute. I always feel like people think it's like that Kevin Costner movie where you build it, there will come. <laughs> Honestly, like I was like, oh, I'll just put my website up and the phone's going to start ringing and nothing. <laughs> yeah, especially with today, I feel like with SEO, it wasn't like how when I first started where it was still a fairly new thing. And now there's the market has become more saturated. There's more stages in the market as well. Absolutely. And so, we really have to do more to stand out. And so we're coming to the end of our show. What would you say is your number one tip that you would give to home stagers when it comes to running their home staging business? Don't give up. Stay consistent. Show up. That's probably my biggest advice. Go slow. You know, as far as building inventory, I know that can be so hard. You just want to go out there and buy all the pretty things, but you just have to be smart about buying buy as you go, stay out of debt if you can. Those are probably my biggest pieces of advice. That's great. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you, Cindy. It was a lot of fun. So that's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help and support the show, there are three ways to do so. You can leave a review and rating on iTunes. You can share the show on social media, or you can donate to support the maintaining costs for the podcast. You can make a donation through the show notes or on the sidebar of our site. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, please do so. This will help us grow the show and book more guests. If you have any questions, feedback, and suggestions, you can comment on the show notes. You can also find the show notes by going to stagemore.com slash podcast. That's it. Have a fantastic week and happy staging. Happy staging.